0: available at farmnewsnow.com or wherever you find your favorite podcast Agriculture Through a Modern Lens. This is the AgriPod with Alice McFarland. On
1: this episode Hundreds of Canadian scientists and researchers were in Saskatchewan for a conference marking the conclusion of the seven-year Global Water Futures program. Global Water Futures was established with a $78 million grant from the Canada First Research Excellence Fund. The University of Saskatchewan was one of four leading institutions, with others Waterloo, Wilfrid Laurier and McMaster, all located in Ontario. Dr. John Pomeroy is the Global Water Futures Director, and the Canada Research Chair in Climate Change and Water Resources at the University of Saskatchewan, and he will talk about the water research that was agriculture-related. Tracking grain movement across Canada is now easier than ever. This month, Statistics Canada released the Grain Supply Chain Dashboard, an interactive map that details, among other things, segments of the railway network, the number of cars, and a car's last known location. The dashboard was developed in partnership with the Egg Transport Coalition. Greg Northey with Pulse Canada, one of the members of the coalition, says it's all about transparency. After the break, John Pomeroy. Digging into
0: the topics that matter to you, the AgriPod with Alice McFarlane.
1: Dr. John Pomeroy is with the University of Saskatchewan. He is the Canada Research Chair in Climate Change and Water Resources. And he is also the Director of the Global Water Futures, which is just now concluding seven years of work. So uh, first of all, uh, John, maybe tell us about Global Water Futures and uh, what your work is uh, focused on.
2: We're having the finale of the Global Water Futures Program, which is led by the University of Saskatchewan with 22 other universities across Canada. It's the largest university-led water research program in the world, and it's uh, certainly uh, measured as the most productive. Thousands of students and researchers working on it across Canada, hundreds of professors. The program has been working on things such as developing new and improved flood and drought forecasting, Prediction models for Canada, developing uh, COVID detection systems and sewage outflows that were used during the pandemic. Working out improved agricultural practices and forestry practices for water supply and quality. We've been working with dozens of Indigenous communities to co-develop water solutions for those communities, and also uh, over 500 partners across Canada. These can be industries, or cities, or provinces. Federal government departments and others to help them uh, improve their access to information and data on fresh water and help them with water management decisions that will improve our ability to uh, have water sustainability, plentiful fresh water and well managed and clean through the rest of the century.
1: So the gathering was basically then for all the people involved in uh, the research and a chance to come together to share that work and exchange ideas?
2: It's an enormous program. There have been 65 major projects in it and so this allows us to get an idea of you know what did we accomplish over the seven years and also what are the implications for the future and also to uh, start to hand off some of this- material to our partners and others, uh, some of the capabilities. So, of course, we haven't been able to meet in person over the pandemic. So the last meeting was here in 2019. So it's a great catch up on the program, too.
1: So where do we go from here now that this specific program has ended?
2: Well, we have a really strong engagement with the provincial governments that have uh, strong water management uh, responsibilities across the country with many uh, First Nations and communities and and governments that will deploy this and with the federal government. And one thing the federal government has done recently is announced the establishment of a national Canada Water Agency that will be based in Winnipeg. So we're hoping that this Canada Water Agency will be able to carry on some of the support and information that we've developed and continue to get it out to the water managers and users across the country. And of course, in Saskatchewan, we have the Water Security Agency of the provincial government, based in Moose Jaw, which does a, a superb job in uh, working with us and uh, finding ways to implement this in policy and, uh, and support for uh, water users across the province.
1: There is changing climate, drought concerns, uh, periods of too much rain. Uh, what research has been done from the agricultural perspective that stand out in your mind?
2: well we had quite a lot uh, one of the 65 projects was the agricultural water futures project and another is the prairie water project so what we showed there is the effectiveness of snow management and residue and in, in, uh, enhancing preserving soil moisture uh, from the winter into the uh, growing season for crops as a way to fight droughts we looked at the impact of wetland drainage on uh, downstream water quality and flooding we've looked at groundwater recharge of the prairies and how that could be enhanced to Uh, wetland uh, preservation and then also uh, looked at water supply for irrigation. Uh, There have been uh, proposals for a substantial irrigation increase uh, doubling in Saskatchewan so we've been uh, running computer models on the water supplies from the mountains to the major rivers to make sure that there's enough water for irrigation and hydroelectricity and downstream water use and supporting really important ecosystems like the Saskatchewan River Delta around Cumberland House.
1: Now, do your models indicate that there is an adequate water supply for irrigation in Saskatchewan? Uh, Of course, keeping in mind that there is a growing need as well for that water in southern Alberta.
2: Yeah, um, uh, both southern Alberta and Saskatchewan will be increasing. It looks like overall there will be an increase in water supply down the rivers through the next few decades, maybe increasing 15-20% but also the variability will increase and the stream flow will be coming much earlier in the year because of more rapid mountain snowmelt, Much like we've seen this year, this year might be very typical of what the future could be. And so we're gonna have to be very careful how we manage it and how we allocate it and set priorities for that use. It gets used for many things, hydroelectricity and community water supply and irrigation. And, and then we still wanna support our river and Delta ecosystems and so, it's going to take uh, careful water management to preserve all this, with uh, what we expect to be uh, occasionally worse droughts and occasionally worse flooding episodes in the future.
1: Would the additional water you expect uh, come from more snow in the mountains? Uh,
2: be more rainfall in the mountains? So the glaciers will be gone in a few decades. Unfortunately, the snowpack will be greatly reduced, but there will be more rainfall. So it's going to be a very different uh, sort of hydrology feeding on rivers, perhaps flashier and less predictable because it'll be more rain-fed than snow-fed. Snow's been very reliable for us historically. So we're, we're going to have to adapt to that and uh, find ways to manage our water better. And uh, you know, looking to the south, where they've had more rain-fed systems historically, uh, they, in the U.S., they've had some great challenges there. So uh, we're going to have to learn from their challenges and how they address them and work out our own solutions that work here.
1: Would there have to be more dams, uh, smaller dams, to hold back water at times?
2: We will probably want to um, change the uh, rules of operation of the many reservoirs that are on the South Saskatchewan River system and uh, perhaps in the future even start to look at increasing storage capacity We have a sort of a natural damming from the snow and the glaciers that we're losing. And so to improve the reliability as that's lost, we'll have to probably look at uh, storing it ourselves in reservoirs. And that's always very, very contentious. But I'm sure the first steps will be to look at how we can more effectively use existing reservoirs. And even can we increase some of their capacities?
1: Dr. John Pomeroy is the Global Water Futures Director and Canada Research Chair in Climate Change and Water Resources at the University of Saskatchewan. After the break, Greg Northey with Pulse Canada talks about the Grain Supply Chain Dashboard, a new interactive map.
0: Digging into the topics that matter to you, the AgriPod with Alice McFarlane.
1: Greg Northey is with Pulse Canada and he's here to talk about a new map or dashboard that's been developed in conjunction with the Ag Transport Coalition uh, is set up to provide an easy way to monitor railway networks. So Greg, tell us about why this was set up.
0: A group of agriculture organizations have been running the Ag Transport Coalition for close to 10 years now. And so as part of that project. Uh, it's all about bringing transparency to the grain supply chains. As part of that project, we collect a lot of data, we purchase data, and we have a pretty good understanding of essentially how grain is moving on the rail networks. And so one of our goals with a program like that is to, is to collaborate with railways, with all levels of government on finding a common data set, working with data, Bringing transparency, and so one of our options, one of the, the the things we looked at was okay, what about StatsCan? And you know, they publish a lot of information. They're seen as a as obviously a, a huge depository of data and, and a trusted source of data and transparency. And so we started to speak with them about well, how could they do a, a daily product because we collect data daily um, on how grain is moving in the supply chain, and work with them on on giving them data. Uh, so that they could actually publish uh, on their own website a, a daily report on how grain is moving through the network, and you know, we started that process about a year ago, and, and we had the launch of the product uh, this month. And so it's a, it's a really interesting product. First time in Stats Canada's history they've done a daily product like this where they, they push out data in, in a map form. Uh, and so yeah, we're we're very excited about it. It's a it's a really good example of how collaboration can work for everybody.
1: And I understand that it's an easily accessible map that you can use your laptop or your phone.
0: Yeah, exactly. It's uh, so it's a, in a map form, which is which is pretty cool. You can go to take a look at it, and you can do it from your, obviously from your phone or your computer, and it'll show the map of Western Canada. It'll show the you know the elevators in Canada. It'll show the destination like the the ports destinations Thunder Bay, Vancouver, and what it does each each day is it it automatically refreshes using our data and, and shows. Basically, where, where hopper cars are in the, in the grain network. The product is very careful around confidentiality. So, you you know, you won't be able to pin it to any specific owner of those, of those grain cars, but you see all of them and you see where they're, where they're bunching up. You can see where a lot of them have been sitting. You can see the choke points. Um, so it's a really interesting product. It's a 1.0, like it's a real, you know, first step on this. So it has a lot of functionality that we can start to dig into with, with Test Canada as we move forward.
1: So obviously there was a lot of work done to set this up, and I'm assuming there will need to be some tweaks along the way. So you'd be open to any feedback from users like farmers and the general public and companies?
0: Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, this is very much meant to... To be, like I said, that first step in something like this. And so we are, you know, hoping we, we receive feedback from, from, from all stakeholders. And it can be done through the stats game of the website, but also directly with the Ag transport coalition as well. So myself or any other, any of the partners, like any kind of input, uh, good or bad is always welcome on this kind of thing. Cause it's, we think this is really the future, right? Around transparency and just, and just everyone working with a, with a common set of data and understanding what's happening out there. And so it's definitely open to feedback.
1: So the dashboard has been in the works for a while. Uh, what did it take to get this set up?
0: Yeah, so it, it you know we started conversations with Stats Canada about a year ago, I'd say you know last uh, June. And while while it looks fairly simple as far as you know the mapping feature, you know we are we're getting you know the the data behind it is is extremely complicated how it how it how it works. How it moves through a system and so it, it took us almost a year to work through it both with you know how we interacted with stats canada and how you know the data was cleaned and made confidential and everything else and so yeah it was a, it was a long process
1: greg northy is the vice president of corporate affairs with pulse canada talking about the grain supply chain dashboard that was developed by statistics canada and the Egg transport coalition Here are the top agriculture stories for the week of May 22, 2023. The Canadian Cattle Association welcomed the announcement that Taiwan was restoring full market access for Canadian beef in the coming weeks. While Canadian beef exports last year totaled $13.9 million, beef from animals over 30 months of age and some types of offal were still restricted. The restrictions date back to Canada's discovery of a case of BSC in 2003. Taiwan and Canada have had an on-again, off-again relationship when it comes to beef trade. Canadian beef is still facing restrictions into the Chinese market, going back to an atypical BSC case that was reported by the Canadian government in late 2021. Olmel said it made the difficult decision to reduce its hog operations in Western Canada due to continued financial losses and uncertainty in pork markets. Approximately 80 employees at five sow facilities in Alberta and one farm in Saskatchewan have been given layoff notices. The barns will be closed over the next few months and remain shuttered until market conditions improve. The decision will reduce the Quebec company's sow herd in Western Canada from 57,000 to around 40,000. As a result, the number of market hogs from company-owned farms headed to Olimel's slaughter plant in Red Deer, Alberta, is expected to decline by 200,000 starting in 2024. Olimel is also in the process of closing a pork production plant in Quebec, which employed around 1,000 staff. The agriculture sector is buzzing about the potential merger between grain giants Viterra and Bungie. There are widespread reports that the two companies were talking about a merger, but neither side was willing to discuss it. This is not the first time the two rivals have been in talks to merge. In 2017, when Viterra was known as Glencore Agriculture, it attempted to take over Bunge, which failed. If the deal is approved, Viterra would vault into the top tier of global grain merchants. Farm Credit Canada is offering support to producers who are facing financial difficulties, including cash flow challenges due to higher-than-average input costs and elevated interest rates. FCC is offering an unsecured credit line of up to $500,000 with loan processing fees waived. FCC's Ellen Roloffs says it's available to any producer, agribusiness, and or agri-food operation. She said new and existing customers have been affected by the current economic environment are encouraged to contact their FCC relationship manager or customer service center. The Beef Cattle Research Council has announced 12 recipients of $2 million in beef checkoff funds following its 2022-23 call for research proposals. The checkoff money is being used to leverage over $4 million in matching funding from government and other parties. That research will take place through the University of Saskatchewan, Agriculture and Agri-Food Canada, University of Alberta and University of Guelph. The BCRC, a division of the Canadian Cattle Association, is a national industry-led funding agency for beef, cattle and forage research and is funded in part through the Canadian Beef Cattle Checkoff.